Well, it is uh, lovely being here with you um, this weekend. Um, the place is very different to the first time I preached in St. Pete's, which I think, if I remember rightly, was May 1991, I think. And on that day, I remember the congregation being quite excited because, not because I was preaching, but because there were something like 14 people that had turned up, and there was two students. And they were very excited about there being two students uh, uh, present. Uh, things have changed somewhat since then, but one thing that hasn't changed, or a few things that haven't changed, is back then, as now, there was a real warmth of welcome and a real sense of being family in Jesus, and a real desire that His kingdom would come, and that His name would be made a praise. So, it's lovely being back uh, with you this weekend. I want us to read the Word of God together. We're going to read from um, 2 Corinthians and uh, chapter 1, 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 1. You'll find this on page 1,158 if you have one of the church uh, pew Bibles. I want us to take up our reading at verse 8, and we'll read uh, on through to verse 22. So, 2 Corinthians chapter 1. We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about the hardships we suffered in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired even of life. Indeed, in our hearts we felt the sentence of death. But this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He has delivered us from such a deadly peril, and He will deliver us. On Him we have set our hope that he will continue uh, to deliver us as you help us by your prayers. Then many will give thanks on our behalf for the gracious favor granted us in answer to the prayers of many. Now, this is our boast. Our conscience testifies that we have conducted ourselves in the world and especially in our relations with you in the holiness and sincerity that are from God. We have done so not according to worldly wisdom, but according to God's grace. For we do not write to you anything you cannot read or understand. And I hope that, as you have understood us in part, you will come to understand fully that you can boast of us just as we will boast of you in the day of the Lord Jesus." Because I was confident of this, I planned to visit you first so that you might benefit twice. I planned to visit you on my way to Macedonia and to come back to you from Macedonia and then to have you send me on my way to Judea. When I planned this, did I do it lightly? Or do I make my plans in a worldly manner so that in the same breath I say yes, yes, and no, no? But as surely as God is faithful, our message to you is not yes and no. For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, 
who was preached among you by me and Silas and Timothy was not yes and no, but in him it has always been yes. For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. Now, it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. He anointed us, set his seal of ownership on us, and put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. This is God's Word, and He will bless it to us. Well, let's start on a very positive note. Let's start with a very big, fat yes, because the preachers all said yes, and the promises all said yes, and the people all said yes, amen. And the reason? Because we have a God who says yes. As children of God, as we come to Him uh, this morning and we ask Him certain questions, we say to Him, do you love me? And He says, yes. Will you hear my prayers? And He says, yes. Will you forgive my sins? He says, yes. Will you save my soul? He says, yes. Did you really give your son for me? He says, yes. It's all really positive. And if that weren't enough, it gets even better. And if you listen carefully for the next 20 minutes, I better not commit, 20-ish minutes. And if you believe what you hear, then I pray that you will leave here today singing blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine, heir of salvation, purchase of God, born of His Spirit, and washed in His blood. So let's go. Each Sunday morning, I have um, three colleagues that we, we text each other on a Sunday morning just to assure each other that we're praying for one another and to give each other uh, a bit of uh, encouragement. Uh, one of those friends, and I hope he doesn't mind me uh, naming him, but one of those friends is Derek Lamont uh, in Edinburgh and in, in St. Seas uh, there. But one morning, he, he sent this message. He, he sent a wee text saying, don't have a great sermon, but I've got an amazing text. And it brought me back to the time that actually he, what used to be called, preached me in to my first charge in the Black Isle uh, up near uh, Inverness. And he was preaching in the congregation there at Rosola. So he preached in the morning. My very first Sunday there, I preached in the evening. And as he was addressing the congregation, he, he was trying to tell them to encourage their new minister. I was all of whatever, 24 at the time, and telling them to be nice to me and look after me and all this sort of stuff. And he would say, make sure you, you encourage him. So even if on a Sunday, even if you feel he's struggling a bit, on the way out, be sure and say to him, that was a lovely text that you had today. Right? 
that evening, my very first sermon, preached my sermon on every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And on the way out, there was one of the young children. He would still be mid-primary school. On the way out, he shook my hand, looked at me straight in the eye and said, that was a lovely text. You, you know what he was saying about the sermon. This is a lovely text that we're going to look at today. The, the, the text is the, the final verses that we read there. Now, it's God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. He anointed us, set his seal of ownership on us, put his spirit on our hearts as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. We had the privilege of uh, having our uh, homiletics teaching coming from uh, Alistair I. McLeod, who used to, of course, be in St. Andrews. And he would often talk to us about the need to just tap the text with that wee kind of golden hammer just to see how it would fall apart. And this one, certainly for a free church minister, very conveniently falls apart into three headings. When you look at it, it, it tells us about the fact that God makes us stand firm in Christ, that God has set His ownership on us, His seal of ownership on us, and that God has deposited His Spirit into our hearts. These are amazing truths that cover us for time and for eternity. It tells us that in the present, God secures each day. In the past, that God has sealed the deal. And for the future, God has deposited His Spirit in our hearts. So, let's look at these things. First of all, the present. God secures each day. I think too often we forget about the wonder of the here and now as believers. We focus on the past. Jesus died for me. We anticipate the future. Jesus will take me to heaven. But we forget about the amazing um, stuff that we experience each and every day in our lives with Christ, the here and the now. Well, here's a wee reminder. How, how are you feeling today as a, as, a, as a Christian? Do you feel strong, successful, safe? Or do you feel a wee bit kind of weak and wobbly, wonky, a bit worried. I think probably for most of us, it's very rare that we would say, you know, today I'm feeling strong and successful and safe as a Christian. We're always tends to, to, to feel a bit weak and wobbly and wonky. And why? Well, often because we're looking at ourselves. We're looking at our own kind of track record as believers. We, we look at our own kind of spiritual state as we see it uh, before God. We're looking into our own hearts, and it doesn't generate much kind of confidence and assurance. But listen to what the Word says. It is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. 
Let me try and explain a wee bit further. Commentators point out that the apostle here uses uh, terminology that really comes from the kind of uh, business world. It's almost like the language of an estate agent telling us that God is the one who ratifies, certifies, if you like, gives uh, a guarantee. He is our guarantor uh, when it comes into the area of a certain kind of property. Uh, I am thankful to you that uh, over the last, whatever, three and a half years, uh, you have ministered to and pastored and taken good care uh, of one of my children, Fiona. She's here somewhere. Yes, I can see her. Uh, She's uh, here, and, and, and I'm thankful for that. Now, when she came to Dundee, of course, first of all, she was in halls of residence, but in her second year, uh, moved into a flat that's only about two minutes along uh, the road here. So, she got uh, the lease for the flat. She signed the lease and so on, as uh, you're required to do. However, she is a student and therefore did not have the resources or the income uh, that would give the landlord the confidence that she would always be able to pay her rent. So, when the lease was uh, signed, she needed to have a guarantor. She needed someone who would promise that when she didn't have the resources or didn't have the ability uh, to pay her rent, that they would. And of course, I'm sure many of you have been in that position, uh, the guarantor uh, becomes the bank of mum and dad. And so, I also had something to sign. A a bit of paper that I signed where I was making commitment that that rent would always be paid, no matter what, so that she could have that sense of security, that sense of safety, that even if her resources run dry, that she could still have a roof over her head and a place to, to stay. Now, every day that arrangement is in place. It's been in place for the last almost three years. It was in place yesterday. It is in place uh, tomorrow. And it is in place today. Right at this very moment, she is safe, secure, because I have promised to be her guarantor. So, her safety does not come, her security does not come from her own resources or ability to pay. Her security, safety, judge for yourself how safe it is, but her security, her safety comes from my ability to pay and my resources. When we think of our place before God, our standing does not depend on our spiritual bank account. It does not depend on our spiritual resources. Of course, we will feel weak and wobbly and wonky and worried if we look at our own resources. But when we look at our Father in heavens, it's a very different thing altogether. When we look at God and His resources, it's then that we feel strong and safe and secure. He is the one who ensures that we keep our place of residence. He is the one that ensures that we have that place to stay, and it ain't no small student flat somewhere in Dundee. 
What is it that we're told He does? He makes sure that we are kept in Christ. That is our permanent place of residence, guaranteed by God the Father. We are kept in Christ. This is an accommodation that's fully furnished, and the outlook is quite stunning. And no matter how poor we may feel we are, and no matter how low our resources may seem to be, eviction is never a threat because it is God who makes us stand firm in Christ. Your security is not dependent on your commitment to Jesus. Your security and my security is dependent upon God's commitment to us, His contract with us, His covenant, if you like. And that is why you and I can feel strong and safe and secure, because God is our guarantor that we will never be evicted from our residence in Christ Jesus. That was true yesterday. That's true tomorrow. And it's true right here, right now. Enjoy that security that you have in Jesus. The second thing is when we see uh, the past, we see that uh, in the past that God also sealed a deal. When uh, our children were much younger, we have five children, but when they were uh, much younger, one of the things that uh, their mother was very diligent in doing was making sure that uh, in all their garments of clothing, including shoes and everything else, their names were written on them. And it's because we just knew that, you know, they get lost in the playground, in the changing room, or in the bus, or whatever else. And so, you always put their name in them so that you knew who it was belonged to. I mean, you have hundreds of blue school sweatshirts. How do you tell one from the other? You look at the label, and the name is written on it, saying, this is, this is mine. I love buying books. I wish I loved reading them as much as I love buying them. But anyway, I have lots of books, and sometimes I'll lend them out to folk. But before I lend them out to folk, I always write my name in them to make sure that eventually, at some point, hopefully, I'll get them back. I'm saying, this book belongs to Donnie G. I don't have many hobbies, but one of the things I do enjoy is I enjoy looking after my sheep. I have sheep, would you believe? And in my sheep, I, I, they have what we call a keel mark. There's a colored mark, red on the back. That's what's there. Identifies them as being mine. They also have the piercings that I envy. They have earrings. Uh, they have their ear tags. And on these tags, there's a specific number, a farm code. And then there's another number that identifies them as an individual sheep. And all you need to do is to look at these tags and this mark, and you know that they are mine. They are mine. Now, I realized that I have come down from uh, the crofting community of Sky to the cosmopolitan and much more sophisticated areas of Dundee here, and therefore my crofting illustrations are probably uh, falling on deaf ears. So I was trying to think what the equivalent was for you, you Costa-going people. Um, so it's the equivalent of you having your AirPods, and you've taken uh, 
a note of their serial number, and you've got the case, the charger case, and it's got your name engraved in it uh, by Apple. And even as I look, I realize that actually you're not as sophisticated as I thought, because some of you are looking at me blankly going, what is an AirPod? But anyway, it's that sort of thing. The point is, here is something that you're saying is mine, whether it be clothes or books or sheep or AirPods or whatever else, you're saying it is mine. Again, the language that the apostle is using here is, is making us picture a legal document, a legal document where somebody is saying, this is mine, by putting a wax seal on it and impressing into that wax seal the stamp of the owner. The owner is saying, I acknowledge that this document, this document is mine. I'm authenticating it by this wax stamp uh, that is on it. Here we've been told that that's what God does to you and to me. It's like He's putting His stamp of ownership upon us. He is saying, you are mine. You belong to me. And I have sealed that deal in my son Jesus Christ when He died on the cross I have bought you at a very high price, and you belong to me. Now, to our ears, the idea of being somebody's property doesn't always sound very uh, appealing. Indeed, it sounds very unappealing. Uh, I've been blessed with uh, three girls and have successfully raised them to be very strong feminists, unfortunately. But anyway, when they first heard about one of their friends who went to, who was going to get married, but uh, they, they heard that the, the, the boyfriend had gone to the father to ask permission to marry the daughter, they were horrified, horrified. And I was told in no uncertain terms, if you ever think that anybody needs your permission for me to marry them, you can think again. To which I responded, with that attitude, I'm safe enough. But anyway, that's another matter. <laughs> but, but I felt quite proud, to be honest. So I thought, you're right. You're not my property. You're not anybody's property. It is something that is offensive to suggest that somebody is someone else's property, but not on this occasion. There's something quite beautiful and thrilling to be the property of Jesus, to be the property of God, to recognize that we belong to Him. Some time ago, I saw a, a news um, um, article um, where they were talking about uh, employees being microchipped. I don't know if you remember this, it's some months ago. Uh, and they were having microchips put in them. And what it did was it allowed them sometimes access into certain uh, places in the uh, place where they were working, certain rooms. So instead of you having to get a fob or a key or whatever else, you had a weekend of microchip and you could just put like, your arm up to the scanner thing and that allowed you access into the room. The idea also was that they could go and they could uh, perhaps go to a vending machine 
And if they wanted to get, you know, a bottle of water or a snack to eat, that instead of having to put money in or their card, that again, they could just put the microchip up, it registered as to who it was, and they could uh, then be added, if you like, to uh, their, their bill. There was something quite disconcerting about that, because the concern was that actually, you'd almost become like the property of your employer. And there was a danger that, because they were saying there was a possibility for it developed with uh, uh, CBS kind of stuff and all that, that you, you could almost be tracked, that the employer would always know where you were, what you were doing, how long you were there. You were being tracked all the time. You think, this is not nice. This is not nice at all. When we think of what we're told here, we've been told that we're not being microchipped, but that what God is doing is He's putting His Spirit in us. We're anointed by Him. And in that, He is saying, you belong to me. We are set apart for Him. Jesus is the ultimate anointed one. And when He was anointed, it it spoke of purpose, and it spoke of position, and it spoke of privilege. And in the same way, when we are told that we are anointed and with God's seal upon us and belong to Him, it's speaking about us being given a privileged position, a a princely position, so that this document, if anything, is not so much a, a document of ownership, but it is documents of adoption, whereby we're being told we've been adopted into the the family of God. We are His because we are His children. And He has sealed that deal in Jesus Christ, and we bear His name. That's why it's so beautiful. In the present, we're kept in Christ by God. In the past, He has sealed that deal in Christ so that we become His children. We need to move on. In the future, or for the future, He has put the Spirit into our hearts. This is the implant that we, as the children of God, get. No microchip, but the Spirit of the living God and the Spirit of the resurrected Christ. The Spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father. Some of you may have got at Christmas time a number of uh, books to read. Uh, someone in my house, and I can't remember who it was, but uh, certainly somebody got Michelle Obama's uh, biography or whatever called Becoming. Uh, I haven't read it, uh, but I remember seeing her being interviewed uh, when the, the, the book was first published. And the interviewer, when speaking to Michelle Obama, was uh, asking about living in the White House and what this meant for her family, for her girls in particular and asking were there so many areas at which, you know, they were not allowed to go, restricted areas. And she said, no, they had access all areas. I wanted to see the White House as their home. This was their family home, and therefore they had access to all areas. Because we are God's children, and because He has put His Spirit within us, we have access to all areas. We have access to that delivering power of God that is spoken of earlier in the chapter. We have access to the great comfort of God. We have access to the guidance of God by the paraclete, the Spirit. We have access to the peace of God, which passes all understanding. We have access to the joy of God, which is unspeakable and glorious. 
This is what, by the Spirit, God deposits into our hearts. And, and we experience some of it again in the here and now. But we're told here by the apostle that this depositing of the Spirit and all these things that we have access to by the Spirit, that they are, well, a down payment that guarantees that there is more to come. So, every time that we experience something of the deliverance of God or the comfort of God or the peace of God or the joy of God in our own hearts and lives, it is Him saying, this is the deposit, this is the down payment that is guaranteeing what is yet to come in the future. This is the most wonderful thing. We have the Father acting as our guarantor. We have the Spirit almost like a deposit, a guarantee within us. We have the Son as our great advocate before uh, the Father. Add it all together, and we have this cast iron situation where we need fear nothing because we are secure in our God and in our Lord Jesus Christ. And this depositing of the Spirit that is the deposit that, 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 that guarantee what's to come, by nature it becomes a foretaste. It's like the wee flavor. You know, you go around Tesco's or whatever, you, you, you go here uh, for your shopping and you'll see somebody there and they've got like wee samples, a bit of cheese or something for you just to taste and it's just to give you a wee flavor of what it would be like if you went and got the whole block of cheese for yourself or whatever. Well, that's what's happening. We're given a wee foretaste by God of what, what He has prepared for us. That comfort you feel, that joy you feel, that peace that you feel, it's just the flavor of what is yet to come, hints of what God has prepared for you and me. Can you imagine it? If here and now we experience peace that passes understanding, if here and now we know a joy that's unspeakable and glorious, if here and now we know something of the beauty of the comfort of the Father, imagine what it is like in the hereafter. I has not seen, nor has the mind conceived what He has prepared for His people, but He has revealed it to us through His Spirit. Behold, says the Apostle John in the book of Revelation, he says, Behold, the dwelling of God is with men. He will live with them. They will be His people, and God Himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. And He who was seated in the throne said, I'm making everything new. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. He said to me, it's done. I'm the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. And to him who is thirsty, I will give to drink without cost from the springs of the water of life. And he who overcomes will inherit all this. And I will be his God, and he will be my son. I do not underestimate, perhaps, what you are going home to even today, or indeed what you'll face at work tomorrow or in this new, work, this new week. There will be things that will make you feel worried and weak and perhaps wonky. Do not underestimate that. Nevertheless, my prayer is 
that as you leave here to go home and as you enter into this new week and as you go to your work tomorrow, that no matter what you are encountering, that you will still have that great sense of assurance and strength as you find it in your God and in the Lord Jesus Christ, that no matter what it is, you'd go into it saying, do you know what? Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. And because of that, I am safe and secure for time and for eternity. Our God and our Father, we thank you for all the blessings that we receive from you. We thank you that you are the one who keeps us uh, to stand firm in Christ. We thank you that you have set your seal of ownership on us. We thank you that you have put your spirit within us and that you guarantee what is yet to come. We pray, Lord God, that you'd help us to rejoice in you here and now. Help us to serve you each and every day. But help us always to have before us that very hope of glory burning in our hearts, knowing that you are the God who will keep us and carry us, that your goodness and mercy will follow us all the days of our lives until we are in your house forevermore. Hear our prayers. For Jesus' sake, amen.